Hi everyone, David Harris here with you on Criminal Injustice. One of the hats I wear in addition to teaching at the University of Pittsburgh's Law School and serving as your host on the Criminal Injustice Podcast, I also work as the legal analyst for public radio station WESA in Pittsburgh. Uh, One of the things I get to do there every once in a while is to appear as an analyst on The Confluence, their daily public affairs show. This segment you're about to hear is from September 16, when host Kevin Gavin and I discussed a recent verdict in our local county court uh, with some very interesting implications. In this case, a man was convicted uh, when somebody died of a drug overdose. The person convicted supplied the drugs to the man who took them. This is an unusual way for a prosecutor to charge and pursue a case, so Kevin and I talked it out. It's a charge under Pennsylvania's drug delivery resulting in death statute. So here's my conversation with Kevin Gavin, host of The Confluence, on September 16. The producer of The Confluence is Megan Harris. Check it out. Welcome back to the show, David. Kevin, always good to be here with you. All right. The crime of drug delivery resulting in death, that's actually been on the books for 30 years, but ran into some constitutional challenges. Why so? Well, it it has been on the books for quite a long time. You're right about that. But it was not that useful to prosecutors for the longest time because it had a very high standard Uh, for what we call the mens rea, the mental state. My Mm -hmm. students will recognize that term. We're studying it right now. It required uh, proof of malice or maliciousness as the mental state, a kind of willfulness. And because of that, it made it very difficult to prove cases under this statute, and a lot of prosecutors simply didn't attempt it. The revised law, it was revised a few times, uh, that was challenged again in 2005, And that's when the state Supreme Court upheld the law itself, but said you have to prove acting with malice. That's right. So just how high of a bar is malice? Malice is a high bar. I mean, we have all kinds of mental states in the law, things like intentionally, knowingly, or purposely, recklessly. These are all a kind of hierarchy of states of mind. And the states of mind, the mens rea behind a crime, is generally what makes it more and less serious. Mm -hmm. And when you have to prove something like malice, you're going basically at the highest level. Mm -hmm. We've seen that term for years and years, decades, even centuries. We talk about malice aforethought in murder. So this was at the highest level. And because of that, it made it very difficult to prove, even without considering other pieces of proof that have to be brought. Eight years ago, the legislature then changed the law as well. And this time making the crime a first-degree felony rather than a form of third-degree murder. What's the difference? Well, the difference is they can change the the degree and the seriousness of felony, third-degree murder, whatever it is, and that will have a huge impact on what the penalty may be in the end. Uh, They can change the mens rea independently of that. They can change the mental state independently, or they can change them together. Uh, It's really up to the legislature. The legislature makes criminal law in our country. So when they change these things, what they are doing is they're, they're changing the level of seriousness of the crime. They're changing what has to be proven. That's the mental state. 
David Harris, WESA's legal analyst and host of the Criminal and Justice Podcast, is our guest on the Confluence. In talking with the district attorney's office, uh, we find out that, as I said, this is the first conviction, but they've had a couple of uh, guilty pleas to the charge and a few pleas to manslaughter. Yes. The DA's office noted that they don't really think this will cause them to go off and make more charges, that they work with the medical examiner and the police, but they assume that every fatal overdose is a homicide until they uh, determine otherwise. And then when we believe uh, the facts support filing the charge, we do so. Do you think this, quote, victory for the DA's office will lead to more prosecutions? Not necessarily more prosecutions under this law, because this law, even though now the mental state is lower than malice, uh, it, it now only requires intentional delivery of the drugs that result in death, there are still enormous problems of proof. Mm -hmm. People overdose, sadly, a lot. When they do, they've taken some kind of illegal, sometimes illegal, drug, and right. they got it from somewhere. Right. The question always is where? Can you actually pin down the source of the drug? Because even the name of the statute, resulting in death, the delivery resulting in death, that shows you that causation is an immense and important part of this statute. So the DA would have to prove not only that somebody delivered it, but who delivered it and for this purpose. And that's often very, very hard to do. I mean, people buy this stuff on the street, sometimes from people they don't even know. How can you trace it back? It's not like you go to the store, you look at the lot number or something. It comes in little bags, sometimes with messages on them and sometimes not. Right. So you can prove that the victim died of a drug overdose Absolutely. and it was an illegal drug that did it, maybe sure. a fentanyl, et cetera. And you might be able to prove that the suspect is a drug dealer sure. from other things. But you have to connect the those connection. two dots. It's the connection. And that's another thing we discuss all the time in criminal law is causation. You have to have a causative connection between the action and the result. And that's often very, very hard. Now, this case, of course, was an exception. Yeah, I don't want to diminish the capabilities of the prosecutors. Oh, not at all, no. But and they were fortunate because they had text messages between the victim and uh, the defendant basically setting up a drug deal, right? Yes, yes. And it was contemporaneous with the time of the death. It all fit together. They will not always have such good evidence that's right at their fingertips, right inside these phones. And that's what they had here. The case was, was really almost tailor-made for a statute like this. The run-of-the-mill case where you just have drugs, you have an overdose, and you have somebody who sold them, you might have suspicions. But do you have solid proof? That's much harder. David, what about other jurisdictions, even in Pennsylvania? I mean, it's up to the prosecutor. It's up to the DA. Yes. Uh, do you see a more aggressive approach in some jurisdictions? There are more aggressive DAs with this statute, particularly the York County DA has often brought these kinds of charges terrible opioid problem in York County, as in many counties, but... You Successfully? Know, uh, well, they've done a lot of them, and they have won some, too. I mean, it's it's not always an easy thing to do, but they have just simply determined that every time they can make a plausible case for this, they're going to give it a try. Is this sort of a, an easier one for a defense attorney because of that 
maybe shooting holes in the idea of connecting the dots between this dealer and this victim. Well, and that has to be the way you would defend it, because you can't say uh, the person isn't dead. They're obviously dead. Uh, a death has resulted from something, and you know that it is uh, an administration of illegal drugs. It has to be the causation link. That has to be your point of attack. And that's usually pretty fruitful uh, for a defense because of the things we were talking about a minute ago. It's very hard to establish exactly where any generic illegal drug packet came from. Because of that, that's how you'll find these cases defended. And while the charge has changed to a first-degree felony, uh, the potential punishment is still quite serious. Oh, it is. It's up to 40 years in prison to be set by the judge. It's not a mandatory minimum, but it's anything up to 40 years. Uh, Of course, that's quite serious, and we'll just have to see what kind of sentence comes in this case. But with hundreds, hundreds of fatal overdoses each year in this county alone, it seems like prosecutors will have plenty of opportunities to possibly pursue this charge? Plenty of opportunities in that there are overdoses, unfortunately, with illegal drugs. But facts that actually fit this particular statute, as well as this, there won't be many. As we were talking about the various challenges to the law and changes to it over the years, over the last three decades, is there any room, do you think, right now for still another challenge to this law? I think it's in shape where it would endure any challenge. It would be upheld. Uh, So we're at a point now where the law is basically, as we're going to see it, it's not going to be changed unless the legislature decides it wants something else. David Harris is a professor of law at the University of Pittsburgh. He's WESA's legal analyst, and he hosts the Criminal Injustice Podcast. David, thanks so much as always. Always fun, Kevin. That's it. That was my conversation with host Kevin Gavin on the confluence on drug delivery resulting in death, the statute in Pennsylvania, and the verdict in our court. That's it for Criminal Injustice. You can always turn to us for news bonuses, features, full-length interviews, and more stories of lawyers behaving badly. I'm David Harris, and I'll be back with you next time. Criminal Injustice is written by David Harris, produced by Josh Rollerson, and supported by listener contributions. Go to patreon.com slash criminalinjustice to become a member and access the premium content feed. Find past episodes, show notes, and more at criminalinjusticepodcast.com.